Welcome to the St. James Parish Podcast. Enjoy sermons, lectures, and special presentations from St. James Episcopal Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. Curious about what else St. James has to offer? Visit our website, linked in the show notes, to learn more. From the Exodus reading, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? The Exodus story in our readings from the Hebrew Bible these last couple of weeks has sounded like scripts from written for reality TV. Last Sunday, Exodus recorded vociferous complaints about the lack of food. This week, the murmuring centers around thirst water needed for mere survival. Each Exodus episode seems to be establishing a pattern. Moses, the parent, is being expected to fix everything for the children who are the whole congregation of the Israelites. We, the listeners, are being drawn in as guests on the trip to the Promised Land. Moses struggles to keep his compass set in the direction God has ordained, knowing that these complaining people, God's chosen, will sit around one day drinking milk from their own herds and eating honey from their own hives and saying, now that wasn't so bad, was it? Today, we tune in just as Moses cries out, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Moses remains clear about two things. One, he must remain centered in God. And two, when you're the one out front taking the heat, dig deeper. God, more than anyone, God knows that the journey the whole congregation of the Israelites has taken through the wilderness is hard, is demanding. And in today's glimpse into their survival story, we're privy to rattling exchanges between Moses, the reluctant leader, and the people who are scared out of their wits, hungry, thirsty, homeless. God, on the other hand, is unwavering. And when the people demand and test God, saying, is the Lord among us or not? God's response is unequivocally, I will be standing there in front of you. Truth be told, trying to be God's people here and now is not that far removed from the Exodus story from four millennia ago. We, like the Hebrew people, tend to test God. Test God now and trust God later. We can demand and complain and quarrel with the best of them, as unaware as they were that our arguments really aren't with one another, but with God, who in a service economy like ours, either provides what is expected 
or is at risk of being abandoned for another comfort provider who will perform on demand. Moses, meanwhile, was learning that the meaning of our relationship with God and with one another cannot be reduced to a series of tactical problems to be solved and demands to be met. Instead, we're faced with a strategic question, the answer to which will determine at all that follows. Is the Lord among us or not? Is God present in the midst of us in blindness and sight, loneliness and companionship, death as well as life? And like the Hebrew people, our reaction when the rock splits open and God provides is to realize that what we thirst for is not water, but the power to control the story's plot. So it will turn out just the way we want. Anything less, and we threaten to leave or we stay to moan regardless of the manifested provision. Our temptation as the church is to conclude that if we currently lack the well-being we deserve, or if the future can't be guaranteed success with no risk involved, then God is not present in our undertakings. Being the people of God turns into a utilitarian relationship that wonders and asks, what have you, God or my neighbor, done for me lately? Our prayer book worship teaches us that what's wrong with the world is not that God isn't providing enough of what we believe we deserve, but that we have not come clean to answer the question Moses poses to the Israelites. Is the Lord among us or not? And if not, whom are we complaining to? The wind? If not, and if so, and if God is, as Yahweh said to Moses, standing right there in front of you, then maybe what's wrong with the world is in the eye of the beholder, and that is us. All of God's blessings flowing over us like the water that sprang forth from the rock of Horeb in the midst of the wilderness will make no difference if we are not ready to taste and see God's glory right here in front of us. And the problem isn't them, whether the people are their leaders. The issue isn't a problem to be solved at all, but a decision to be made about what we shall say when asked. Is the Lord among us or not? I believe that is precisely the compulsion to ask this question, the lure of transcendence to draw us out into a future that is not of our making or even our dreaming, that is at the root of what makes us the people of God. And what makes us faithful is not that we've quit complaining or arguing with God or one another, or that we've ceased to be a singularly confused and a needy assortment of creatures, what makes us faithful 
is that we still long for wholeness, still feel a void in our lives that cannot be filled with more of anything but God. You have made us for your own, O God, wrote Augustine of Hippo, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Now, not so long ago, I was taking a solitary beach walk when I became aware of a line of people that had formed from the high sand dunes down to the edge of the water. On Oak Island, as on many sea turtle-protected areas, turtle watchers stake out sea turtle nests, putting up protective fences around the plot of sand where they believe mother turtles have laid their eggs. And then when it's near time for the hatching, they create a three or four foot wide walls of green gardening borders. And when you see the people lined up on both sides like seats along the center aisle in a traditional church, then you know the hatchlings are about to make their one-time journey towards home. Enthusiastic Episcopalian that I am, I could not resist a good processional. So I stepped up my game and I got there just in time to watch this perilous journey for one teensy, newly hatched turtle. With the deliberation of an Olympic long-distance runner, this newborn turtle made it to the shoreline one step at a time. And when she hit the water, her DNA lit up and she swam seaward as her life depended upon it because it did. And with every few strokes, we witnessed her head popping up to take a breath. And then all too soon, she disappeared under a large wave. And then someone with an aisle seat shouted out, here comes the next one. And like kids running to the ice cream truck, we headed back to the top of the nest watching, breathless, as a bride deciding whether or not to walk down the aisle, just like I did. Out of the palpable silence and awe of what we were witnessing, one of the two older men standing next to me spoke out with a bourbon-soaked southern drawl and said, there's no doubting God's plan all around us when you're watching something like this. His friend hugged his shoulder with affection born of time, invested in one another, gave him a knowing look that left me wondering if they were Episcopal church wardens somewhere, having served multiple terms over many years. I was so struck, so taken, that right there on the beach, these grown men had begun talking so easily in the language of their shared faith. Smooth as silk, like drinking water or breathing air, there was an ease to their conversation that just made you want to lean into the stories they began to spin about their marriages and children and grandchildren, leaky church buildings and bumps in the road of life over the years when afterwards they recounted looking over their shoulders 
to see the backside of God retreating from full view. They were gods, and they knew it. And they knew something essential. Just like the baby turtle that didn't need to be taught how to find the ocean, these men, too, have been hatched this way. Their spiritual DNA contained this inner core of knowing that had made their hearts restless, as St. Augustine put it, until one day they would rest with God, their beloved. These men cherished the journey. They claimed the true grit to get to the place of knowing that along the way, their lives had been shaped and reshaped by the hand of God again and again and again. They had learned, and that the crowd of us on the beach that evening got to witness, God the Creator is still creating. The divine process of shaping and reshaping is still ongoing, touching our restlessness in our journey towards God, towards life eternal. Our collective challenge as we go forward into the world today, do our lives demonstrate that God is among us or not? Or are we following the devices and desires of our own hearts? Is God among us or not? Amen.